Hey, Sound City, Aaron here, along with Shane, Shane over here. Yeah, so uh, we're doing something a little bit different here in the podcast feed. Instead of just only sticking with the Sunday sermons, we thought we'd take a little bit of time to answer some questions that have come up during the uh, Things That Are Hard To Do Round 2 series. So, But Shane, as we're recording this, yep. uh, today is Wednesday. You just got to come back to uh, church services for the first time this last Sunday. Yeah. I know there was a lot of uh, excitement about that. You and I both talked about having like butter flies in our stomach and handshake right. and stuff. Uh, Lots of people even texting me like, oh, I'm so nervous. Kyle was like, I'm so nervous. Why am I nervous? <laughs> How was that? Was that good? Uh, it was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a treat to get to do that and uh, to see people. I mean, you can't, I mean, we had an expectation that people would respond well and, sure. and be encouraged by that, but you, know, I, you don't know. I was expecting stony silence. You were? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just crickets. <laughs> yeah. So that was really encouraging. And That's I mean, good. I got to say some of the things that we had talked about me saying, just getting to thank all of you for your support and um, yeah, just getting to be back felt really, really good awesome. um, and really, really affirmed by everyone in doing that and getting to let them know, you know, hey, sometime in July, God willing, and nothing else happens, then I should be back in a more normal way. And it's good. So yeah, no, it was a great, great fun. Good birthday present for me. Good. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, the birthday I almost missed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're glad you're here and glad that you're able to jump in and do this with yeah, it's me. Great. I, it's I good um, fun. this was something that kind of came up recently uh, over the course of this series. You know, tackling these tough topics. Uh, both myself as well as the guest preachers, super thankful for Pastor Justin Absolutely. and for Rabbi Matt serving us so well. And uh, both Justin and Matt picked their topics. They both wanted right. to do you know biblical theology of sexuality right. and, and race. Um, but myself uh, doing end times this last yeah. week, and even the one coming up this Sunday with um, uh, the idea of loving your actual neighbor. Right. There is just more that could be said mm-hmm. than could fit into your normal forty-minute-long sermon you do series on each one. <clears throat> each one could be a, a whole sermon series, and, yeah. and Lord willing, someday we could That's do right. an Absolutely. end times one. That'd uh, be awesome. I would love to do that. But uh, for right now, we thought maybe this would be a good idea to just give mm-hmm. uh, people the opportunity to ask some questions, and for you and I to kind of pastorally walk people through some responses. We call this a Q and R, not a Q and A, because yeah. I don't know that we have the answers, but uh, definitely have some responses and things I, I, I think and, and pray will be helpful for our people. So right. uh, we got five questions and each one of these questions is represents kind of a, a cloud or a cluster of questions. Each one is a variety of questions. So I've summarized, uh, really thankful for the people that sent things in, text messages, emails, etc. So uh, I'll ask the questions and then we can kick it back and forth a little bit here. Sounds so good. you ready to go? Yep, let's do it. All right. So question number one is around the subject of race. So uh, this is from one member says, I appreciated the biblical theology of Jew and Gentile brought together in Christ, but To be honest, I struggle with connecting the dots to present-day situations. I have a daughter who is black. How does the biblical framework of Jew and Gentile help me to talk to her about racial tensions in 2019 USA? So just a real simple, little easy easy question. We'll just skim over this real quick and be done. So, um, man, big question. Big question. And, and, um, you know, I I said this, you know, with, with Matt. Great sermon of just an absolutely mm. bedrock theological foundation about the idea of race, you know, mm. how, how a biblical framework. But now what we're talking is how do we make that leap from, you know, first century Israel to 21st century America and try to connect those dots. So yeah. what, what say you, Brother Shane? Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is an area where, I mean, you and I have got very different experiences and 
in areas of passion within this particular topic. And it is, all these topics are actually really multifaceted. They're, they are sermon series of themselves as yes. well. But on race, the thing that comes to mind for me is, first of all, like for the specific person that asked this, um, I'd want to know more about the very specific questions of what they're dealing with. Sure. I think this hits um, each person that experiences this in a very personal and unique mm. way. Yeah. And so I'd want to know more um, before I could answer the specific question. Right. But I think generally about race, um, what you see, I think, in our culture a lot right now, because these hot button issues are so hot button, right. um, is sometimes, uh, sometimes for uh, folks who really experience these in a deep way, uh, they're a hammer and everything becomes a nail. And so everything can become about race. And sometimes... Uh, I don't want to paint this with a broad brush because it's not every, not everybody's doing this. There's lots of good work being done in this area, but um, sometimes it can eclipse the gospel, and yet they'll still call it the gospel. Mm. So, is it a gospel issue? Abs freaking lutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Jew and Gentile thing. I mean, there couldn't be two g- groups that right. were more opposed to each other that were brought together in Christ, sure. and that's what we want to focus on. Um, so that'd be my big blanket idea. Is, well, it's almost like, yeah. if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like there, there's a lot of people in our culture mm. who are not Christians who are talking about this issue sure. a lot, and and there are varying degrees of helpful, unhelpful advice, right. truthful, untruthful thinking. And and so as a Christian, it's important to not jump mm-hmm. 20 steps down that road right. without first always going back to the foundation of Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died, rose in our place to reconcile us, A, to the Father, right. and B, to each to other. Each other. Right. So we always have to start there because if we it's the gospel is too easy to assume at times. Right. We've talked about this sure. in a variety of capacities. Yep. I remember is it who is it that wrote the book, The Explicit Gospel? Is it uh Matt Chandler? Yeah, that was Chandler. Yeah, and just like where it can be so easy to take the gospel for granted for granted mm-hmm. and then just kind of jump twenty clicks down the road. So Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Not just though for unbelievers. I think unfortunately it it creeps into the Christian culture too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in like really urban communities. Like you can see a lot of Christians that kind of fall into that same boat, and we end up talking less about Jesus, who is the solution, yeah, um, and just more about the issues themselves. And we can yeah. fall into bitterness and anger, and you know, desire for retribution that isn't healthy, yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, that, that'd be one big blanket category that I think is important for us to consider. But I know you've got well, I would just say, and, and help me with this too. I guess there's a couple of encouragements again, yeah, not knowing the full depths of the specific, the, the specific conversation, yeah. but just if I was sitting with, uh, you know, my daughter, I know who asked this question, yeah. and, and it's a it's a an older like teenage daughter yep. who is uh, herself African American, yep. and I would I would want to say something along the ways. This is going to sound this is the pessimistic side, which is, this is not a new problem. Right. The fact that we are dealing with such deep racial brokenness in the United States of America, you you go back to any culture in human history, even going into Uganda. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking with Julie, one of our members who leads Heed Uganda. They're all black people. Right. But there are different tribes Uh who really viciously hate each other because the shape of their faces is slightly different (laughs) and because of tension. So this is just a human... Or color of their skin, right? Like if they're lighter skin... Slightly lighter skin, slightly darker skin. Yeah. And so um, this is pessimistic, but it's just... Just to be expected, it is part of the fallenness of the human sure. condition where yep. we hate other people for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And so uh, I guess maybe I just mentioned that to help try to stir up some resilience yeah. and some patience. Like mm-hmm. this is a huge problem right. that has been building for a long time. And I would also just say, 
uh, this is even more pessimistic, just how uniquely evil mm-hmm. the history of race-based chattel yeah. slavery is in the United sure. States of America. Yeah. You know, when you read- Leaves a scar, yeah. Yeah, when you read um, even the Bible and it talks about slavery, mm-hmm. you know, I've reading some scholarship on this recently, a, a guy uh, named John Walton about slavery in the, in the ancient world is mostly- uh, economic based. Okay. It's kind of a yeah. form of indentured servitude right. where you couldn't pay your bills. And so your options were starve to death or right. go make a, a, go be a slave. And so you'd mm-hmm. make a financial commitment for, right. you know, period, usually somewhere five to 10 years, right. and then you would regain your freedom. It was financially based. Whereas the stuff that we're dealing with, just this pure race based, yeah. you know, black people are an inferior race, right. all this horrific stuff. Yeah. I mean, that falls into the first Timothy one category of, you know, where it says that enslavers people who, and the, the, the literal, Greek wording is like a man stealer. Right. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So the Bible is very clear about that stuff. Yeah. And then the optimistic side is just have confidence in the power of the gospel right. that maybe maybe you won't be able to go out and change the world in the sense of eradicate all racial hatred and animosity and right. prejudice, but you might be able to have an opportunity to see a bona fide racist repent of their sin and sure. come to Christ. And bring understanding, honestly, yeah. right? Like we all have only the perspective we have mm-hmm. and we need help from, yeah. from others who are different to help us understand. And so having that yep. confidence that Jesus yep. is still active and at work and and though the though the wrong seems oft so strong, God yep. is the ruler yet, you know, that, yeah, for that sure. old hymn, so... Yeah. Those are my couple of thoughts on that. I guess the other one too is um, back kind of on what you're saying about keeping the gospel forefront. I, there are a lot of people doing a lot of conversation. I read some books earlier this year, one from a Christian, one from a non-Christian. Yeah. And the, the non-Christian one in particular, you know, some things that were helpful and some things that were, in my opinion, extremely unhelpful. Right. And the problem is when people are trying to gain gospel results mm-hmm. without gospel motivation or right. method. Yep. They're trying to achieve the unity that only Christ can achieve in his blood right. <laughs> through, you know, just, uh, well, pressure, cultural pressure, right. essentially. You yeah. need to, you need to be a better person. But that, that to me seems like it's a, it's a gas tank running on fumes. Sure. So if we really want to have any lasting change, right. it's got to be really based on. Well, and it's got to be at the individual level to start, right? Yep. Like, so each person that is experiencing this has to be, has to be patient, has yep. to be long suffering, has to yeah, has to be resilient, has to endure some of that and then try and help people understand, yeah. you know, and not expect the quick, quick hit results. Yeah. And just, that's be, really good. Yeah. yeah. And just be willing to seek that unity to forgive, not just once, yeah. but not just seven, but 70 times seven. And yeah. And I would say probably for, you know, for white folks like you and me yeah. in the majority context, it's so easy to just assume, right. you know, and when you, what you said about seeking to learn and seeking to understand, yeah. like you're going to have to do that a lot, a lot of times. Sure. It's not just a one and done thing right? Uh, because, you know, particularly with, you know, blackness is not a monolithic thing. Each, right. each individual has their yep. own unique experiences and perspective yeah. as well. So yeah, that's a, there's a big, big topic of conversation. I'm sure there's a ton more that could yeah. be said on that. Hope but some of that's helpful to some yeah, folks. Yeah. Just, you know, it, the, the pessimism of, yeah, this is a real problem. It's yep. been around forever. Uh, and, and the confidence so that Jesus is doing good things and, uh, getting to see, getting to see good things, uh, shift on that one. So no, there's an identity piece in it too. I think just last words. Um, if our identity is increasingly in Christ and we're fighting for that, then it's less in my whiteness or this girl's blackness or whatever. And yes, yeah. that can be hard to, that's always hard to cling to. We always have to fight for that. Mm-hmm. But um, 
that helps solve some of it too, I think. There's yeah. an identity piece of it. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, number two has to do with the sermon on accountability, the one we kicked off the, the series with. So in that sermon, uh, some examples were given about how to have tough conversations and hold people accountable. But in these scenarios, having existing relationship and trust seems essential or at least very helpful. Mm. Can you hold people accountable if there's no relational trust? How does this work, say, in a brand new community group? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we get questions around this topic quite a bit, um, I think. And um, people are wired differently, and this is harder for some people than others, for sure. Yeah, and it comes up frequently because of the model of small groups that we've adopted at sure. Sound City, where we're not just doing a Bible study. Right. We're not just doing you know a, a particular topical study. We're doing life-on-life community groups. Right. Where we're it's really just not Christians that gather for dinner. We're yeah. really wanting to be intentional about the very few times we have a week mm-hmm. in our busy lives to really pursue Jesus together and sharpen one another and yeah. all these things. So, um, I mean, the, 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 the quick answer to it is yes. I mean, it is, it's totally possible and it's, something that I think we're asked to do in Scripture and probably literally a hundred different ways. Um, it's harder if you are a deep introvert. It's harder if you have a past that you're ashamed of. Mm. It's harder for lots of reasons, for lots of people. And so our encouragement to folks is, yes, we want you to stretch, um, but we don't, we don't need you to um, open the, 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 the deepest part of the closet of your past on yeah. day one with people that you don't know. But here's the thing. Like, if we if we wait on relational trust, which is an undefined quantity, sure, um, we always have then the right the um, kind of the ace in our up our sleeve that says you don't know me well enough to ask me that, mm. right? We can always kind of pull that card, and the enemy loves that because um, then our our junk stays in the dark, our the burdens that we're bearing stay in the dark, sins that we have stay in yeah. the dark. Yeah, um, it's not just the sins. I like that you know, burdens absolutely. that you said, just things I'm going through, things I'm struggling with. My my family, we've been texting today because my, right. my grandfather is on death's door. I mean, he's oh, he just had his 94th that. birthday, yeah. and yeah. My, I just talked to my mom a little bit this morning, yeah. and she's you know trying to weather this. And uh, it's like, that's not somebody's sin issue. It's not no. something, but it's it's just weighty, and it's burdensome, and I need well, I mean, people to, to walk sure. alongside me and my family Absolutely. With I mean, these last, since March 20th, I mean, this has been the hardest season of my life without question. Sure. And if I didn't have you guys and the others that have come around us, and like, I'm careful because I don't want it to always be about me when people come and visit <laughs> now, but I'm like, as much as you guys want to ask. So I'm, selfish of you, know, Shane, your yeah, whole heart attack. So selfish. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to talk about it because it lightens my load and it um, it helps me process through what I've experienced. And right. I mean, that's God working through yeah. my brothers and sisters in Christ to bring healing to me. And yeah. so like... It's a big deal. Right. And if I didn't have that, I mean, I'd be much more locked up in my head. And Sure. So it's really important. So yes. So the idea of relational trust is deeply important. Right. And you want to fight for that. But part of how we fight for it is pledging trust even when we don't have the relational trust. Mm. And so a lot of times we'll say, go to your edge of your comfort zone and then stretch like one step a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we'll encourage people to, hey, if you'd rather do this just with a community group leader. You know, we use tools like Life Story to say, hey, share a little bit from your past and kind of how you've become who you are and the things you've gone through. Um, It doesn't have to be everything, but start with the big categories and then just share a little bit more. Um, And that'll lead you to relational trust because what you see 100%, I mean, I've I've never not seen this be true. Uh, When people agree to do this and they'll risk to do it, they always come out the other side being like, oh man, that wasn't as bad as I thought, eh? (laughs) And I really feel like I know these people now. And then we're equipped to 
hold them accountable. We're equipped to love them really well because we know what their triggers might be. We know what they've been through in the past, so we can understand if they respond to something that would seem strange to us otherwise. So I think there's just a ton of benefit that comes from it. And a lot of scriptural backing, even if we can't quote like a chapter and verse that says, you must empty your closet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is bear one of those burdens. It's not yeah. just sin. It's, right. um, it's speak truth well, to one another in love. It's a hundred one another. Here's, here's what I would even think, uh, just as you're talking, yeah. what came to mind for me is back when we were kind of in the earlier chapters of John yeah. with Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. And I remember hearing a, a pastor one time say, it doesn't take a lot of time to go deep. Yeah. Because Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, they got about as deep as you can get. <laughs> in like five minutes. In, yeah, I mean, what reads like a like a five-minute conversation, maybe it was longer. I always read him as sarcastic in that moment. He's like, yeah, you didn't have one. You had five husbands. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that idea of, now, obviously, you and I are not Jesus, yeah. but if, if we are growing in Christ-likeness, mm. hopefully we could have the type of demeanor and heart and mm. attitude that would exude to somebody, hey, I'm somebody safe that you can right. you can open to, you can share with, yep. and I'm not going to come with judgment. I'm not going to come with condemnation. Right. I'm going to come with love, support, mm-hmm. and then real accountability. I think so. That's for the for the person who is, you know, trying to make themselves accountable or right. trying to open yep. up. That's helpful. If you're the person who is trying to offer some sort of mm-hmm. challenge or accountability, uh, the 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 real challenger is. Just to grow in Christ-likeness. Right. And then you're going to have to communicate very clearly and very honestly. You have to say things like, hey, I know we don't know each other super well, but can I ask you a hard question? Right. I mean, I have used that before, even outside of the context of being a pastor. You and I as pastors sometimes get a – we get a little bit of an easier road because we have kind of the – People kind of expect it or something. Yeah, the official badge of ministry or whatever. So we can kind of walk in. Well, I know the pastor is here so I can ask the question. But even outside of being a pastor, sometimes Mm -hmm. you just say that, hey, I know we don't know each other super well. But can I can I ask you a tough question or can I can I share with you just something that I see going on here? Sure. And then you share it and then you let it be. Yeah. Because you can't You can't force it. You can't force it. And even I talked about that in the passage or in that Galatians passage Mm -hmm. about uh bear one another's burdens. And then three verses later, it says, for each will have to bear his own load. Yeah. And there's that tension there of, right. I'm here to help you, but I'm not here to do it for you. Yeah. So accountability can never be, I'm going to, you know, marionette puppet on a string right. kind of a thing. For sure. It's, I'm here to offer my help, my support. Yeah. I'm here to speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And if you choose not to avail yourself of that, okay, yeah. I, I'm still going to love you. And but when you're ready, I'll be here for you. That's right. Yeah. And the commonality that we have in Christ is the um, sets that bar of expectation that we would do that for one another. Yeah. Like it's different when we're talking to a non-believer, right? We can't expect yeah. um, we can't expect out of them the things we would expect out of a brother or sister in Christ. Um, and even then, sometimes we can't expect the same thing <laughs> if we don't know their context or where they're coming sure. from. But that gives us the freedom, I think, to ask those hard questions. Is oh well, if we're both committed to knowing and loving and living for for Jesus, then. I should be able to ask you that. Right. And you should want me to. That's good. Um, and we should invite that in each other. And I think that's the posture we've kind of taken. I mean, we try and do that gently, of course, but um, that's the bar we're yeah. trying to set is this is what the Bible t- says we should do. So we're going to act as if that's what we yeah. want to do for one another. Just a funny thought to close this out. Maybe uh, the idea of, of granted or pledged trust. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that this morning. Yeah. Like as I was driving through the fast food window, I was picking up a breakfast burrito this morning <laughs> and I thought to myself, I don't know who's back there making my burrito. Sure. How do I know what they're, That's, you know, how do I know that they're not spitting in my food right. or doing something horrible? Right. And I'm like, oh, I guess there's just kind of this idea of I'm going to have to to trust because if you really, oh, I mean, yeah. there's there's a million mm. scenarios, like maybe a, a weird one, you know, if, a, if I collapse and I'm bleeding and, and somebody runs up 
and says, oh, I'm a nurse. I can help you. I'm like, well, I don't really know, but if I'm hurting enough, I'll, I'll oh, right. take them up on that. Right. And so sometimes when we're in a position of, mm-hmm. of, you know, emotional or spiritual turmoil, sure. sometimes we kind of find ourselves in this place. I just don't really have any other option but to trust and sure. kind of let somebody else in. I think it's good to practice it yeah. before you get to that point. Absolutely. So that when that moment comes, you're, you're more, uh, more ready. Yeah. So there you go. Hopefully that's helpful. This is why we call it a Q&R, not a that's Q&A. Right. We need that's right. a definitive answer on this. But. That's right. All right, let's talk about a couple of questions, kind of two related to sex and marriage. And the first one is very specific to the sermon that Justin Anderson preached. So the sermon from Justin and the passage itself, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, sound like they are more aimed at single or unmarried people. How should I seek to apply these verses uh, in my marriage to my husband? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I went back and read that that passage when I knew we were going to be talking about it, and I guess I, I don't necessarily read it that way. Um, so that's interesting. Like, I'd love to hear more well, from I them think, about. I think maybe the 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 starting point is it is very true that Justin's sermon right. was more aimed right. towards somebody who, sure. and, and and granted, given Justin's context as to where Absolutely. he's planting his church in Downtown, Capitol Hill, yeah. and mm-hmm. you're dealing with kind of your average Seattle skeptic or seeker who mm-hmm. is coming from a very different perspective. His sermon was. Uh, an apologetic right. of a biblical view of sexuality. Sure. So the sermon is that way, but I agree with you. I don't think the passage necessarily right. was directly aimed at singles. But yeah. what, did, what did you see in that? Well, in the like passage? I was saying to you um, when we first started talking about some of these questions, you know, where it's talking about um, not letting our body be married to another's body, like, or not to marry our bodies to a prostitute. Don't, yeah, or, don't be united like, to a prostitute. Yeah. And I think the example I was using is like you or I in our marriages, we could go marry ourselves to a prostitute or connect our bodies mm-hmm. to a prostitute. And that would be to invite the Holy Spirit into that scenario, which would be this awful, sinful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's no different for a single than it is for us as married. Sure. We're sinning extra because we're breaking our covenant with our yeah. with our spouses, but that would not be, that'd be sexual immorality for the single. It'd be sexual immorality and adultery right. and... Uh, and lusting after someone other than our wives for... What do you think about the line in there when Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are, are helpful or not all things are beneficial? You know, yeah. what, how does that... How do you think that might apply to, you know, someone who's married who's versus married somebody versus who's a single? I'd have to go back and look at that again. Yeah. Um, I had an, I had a one thought that came to mind yeah. for me on that, which is... Um, so just to use a very specific example. So I think we, we would all agree, hopefully all would agree who are listening to this, that... A, pornography is a great just killer mm-hmm. of marital intimacy yep. and, and spiritual health. And I was thinking about, you know, there's a lot of um, articles and studies and things coming out right now about how much pornography has moved into the mainstream oh, in yeah. our culture. So it's, you know, younger and younger ages, mm-hmm. more and more available in social media and smartphones. And then even just in the regular movies and TV shows that we watch, sure. the pornographic nature of much of these TV shows and movies. And I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe for somebody who's like, well, you know, it's all things are lawful for me in watching certain movies or sure. watching certain TV shows. This yeah. is a very specific example, yeah. but it's something no, I'm passionate good. about as a, as a dad of, of young daughters, right. you know, maybe, maybe it's not, you know, you're not technically watching a movie that's, that's porn, but it's sexually explicit in a way that's, I mean, shows that it's been influenced by porn. Sure. And then I think, you know, for the married man, like, okay. You you really want to tell me that that doesn't have any effect influence you. or effect on your view of just normal sexuality within sure. the context of marriage? Uh, for let's say you know kind of a stereotypical issue that some women struggle with of body image, yeah. you know, feeling shame over their body, and then <clears throat> you see this perfect, image. perfect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they they the the casting directors went through five hundred naked women to find right. the one that looks right. the most perfect on the screen, and then you're going to tell me that's not going to have mm-hmm. some sort of CGI after that? To yeah, sh- exactly. To yeah, airbrushing and, and all that. 
blog. Totally. Yeah. So I just think that, you know, something like that within the context, whether you're married or single, yeah, you know, the idea of when Paul says flee from sexual yeah, immorality, yeah. this idea of like Such put your shoes on and run. run. Yeah. Don't, don't toy around with it and don't, right. you know, don't placate. Um, even something where you could maybe say, yeah, there's not a verse in the Bible that says don't watch R-rated movies. Sure. Fair enough. But mm-hmm. whether or not something is lawful, becomes actually secondary to the question, what Paul says is, is helpful. Right. It's an interesting way to think about it. it we've, been, we've been having these discussions just about the nature of the law and yeah. wisdom and mm-hmm. reading through the book of Proverbs as a staff. Yep. And it's, it's, some of this is really heart level stuff, not a specific rule that I'm supposed mm. to follow or a specific law that's given. It really is the posture of the heart. Am I living with wisdom? Am I seeking sure. to honor God? Uh, well, in those gray area passages, um, can be frustrating, I think, for us as Christians. Mm-hmm. Our culture loves that, right? I mean, yeah. the culture in general. In this, Especially for you Enneagram ones. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a challenge for the any ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Those gray areas, they require wisdom. I, you know, it's which is why, I mean, I love to always talk about it's it's the word of God, the spirit of God, mm-hmm. and the people of God. Yeah. So the word of God gives us truths, gives mm-hmm. us, yes, laws, commandments also principles, mm-hmm. examples, but then there's the spirit of God, mm-hmm. where if we're really being prayerful and we're seeking the Lord, is, is this something that is beneficial to my marriage? Right. Like actually pray that is yeah. this thing, whatever. I mean, I'm using this one example. Maybe yeah. there's other things. It's how much you're golfing or something, you know, sure. just, is this, is this promoting oneness? Is this leading mm-hmm. to health and, mm-hmm. and, and helpfulness in my marriage? And then is the, my game of throne watching yeah, really right. Is this yeah. bringing oneness? And then the, the people of God, where you ask other people, yeah. Uh, God's given them His Spirit and His Word too, and so yep. I think there's much, uh, there's much good in having that Wisdom, word, word yeah. Spirit, and people. Mm-hmm. Word, yep. Spirit, and people. Yep, the great. the other question kind of goes along with it, but it is more specific yeah. to sex in the context of marriage. So. Uh, it's, it's cheating. It's not just one question. It's like five questions, right, in one, is. which is, that's my style. That's my, <laughs> that's my move. Uh, <laughs> what is appropriate as far as sexuality within marriage? Is it appropriate to lust after my wife? What if we have differences in our desires and expectations for frequency of sex? Mm-hmm. If sex is good and designed for marriage, why does this honeymoon phase eventually wear out? Oh, so much in there. Ooh. That's a serious. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, you want to take them one at a time? Sure. What should we do? So what is appropriate as far as sexuality within marriage? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even that is gray. It's hard to, I think, define. I think there's a lot of freedom for us. The Bible does not ever say, right. married people, here's how often you should be having sex. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's the that goes to the frequency one. But I think it's this is saying what's appropriate, like mm. what things are okay, what things aren't okay. Oh, what gotcha, things are, yeah. I mean, that's how I read that first part of that question. Sure. I think there's a lot of freedom for us. I think there's also... Um, and in one of my doctoral cohorts, we talked about some of this stuff and even looked at the physiology of the body and how certain body parts are made mm. um, and what they're made to, to, how they're made to function and not right. function. And uh, I mean, you really can discern a lot just from looking at how God made our bodies right. as to what might be more permissible than other things. Because we're not Gnostics. Right. We believe that the body Absolutely. actually is important and, and God created right. physicality and sure. matter and cares about it. And so. we will be physical in eternity. Oh, snap. Yes. By the way. Get them. Uh, Get them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Glorified body. Uh-huh. I have a particular... Uh, I, I don't have many pet peeves, as you know, no, Shane, don't. but uh, Gnosticism, secret Gnosticism is yeah. one that I just... And it's hidden all over in all our culture today, place. for yeah. sure. Um, appropriate to lust after my wife. So little word study, little Greek word study on that um, finds that there are, it seems like, a few occasions where it's at least neutral, um, some would argue positively uh, given, but for the most part, it's 
lust is almost always talking about something that's forbidden. Mm. And so I think... Desire for something that is not rightfully given to you by God. Right. Yeah. And so I can pursue sex with my wife in a very loving and biblical way. Um, and it's okay for me to desire her. Right. Um, but if I'm just thinking about using her to fulfill my own sexual gratification so I can then go off and play soccer or do whatever I'm, yeah. you know, go hang out with the boys at the bar or whatever. Um, I mean, that's a very different thing. And I, sure. so I, I can, I can lust after my wife in a way that is just about the physical and that, and just about myself. Mm-hmm. And that would be sin. Yeah. I think. I think, I mean, yeah, the idea of lust Similarly, I didn't I didn't spend the time doing the word study, but the idea of lust to me always has kind of had the connotation of it's something that isn't yours. Right. So like coveting or, yeah. or lusting, they kind of go together. It's, yeah, I agree. It's I'm I'm staring at some woman who is not my wife. Right. Because you know the Bible does have verses. I mean, it's the you know in Proverbs five eighteen and nineteen, it's the most you know the giggle worthy verse when all the when the when the high schoolers discover this verses in the Bible where it talks about you know rejoicing in the wife of your youth, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, sure. be intoxicated Absolutely. in her love. Like yeah. there's an and there's more we could go into Song of Songs oh, and other yeah. places where there are encouragements to, yes, enjoy, enjoy each other's bodies. Enjoy yeah. each other's bodies. Yeah. That is a good and wonderful thing. And and I would say that doesn't cate- that doesn't fall into the category of lust uh-huh. in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right on when you're talking about this idea of I can pursue my wife in a way that builds her up. Yep that treasures her and values her, the, the totality of who she is, you know, her spirit, her mind, mm. her thoughts, her desires, mm. her passions, her giftings, and yes, her, her body yeah. as well. Or I can separate mm. the body from all Into of that. Categories, and yeah. that becomes degrading and it becomes, uh, it's, it's using, it's, yeah. it's, it's using somebody instead of loving somebody. Sure. So that's really Which again, the heart of the gets issue. gets us back to the idea of, you know, kind of the, the, the porn and sexualized culture that we live in and how oh, that's man. influenced the way that we, can even look at our wives. Totally. You want right? to talk about using somebody. It's right. a two-dimensional oh, image or video mm-hmm. that never says no. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a video, a porn video never, you know, this actress never has a bad day, never yeah. had a bad day at work or yeah. whatever. It, it's always available, instantly accessible. And and there's no emotional intimacy that needs to go with it. Totally. And so we categorize and it makes it really easy to do that in real life then as well, I think. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the idea about like differences in desires and expectations for frequency of sex, mm. the more common thing yeah. is that men, most men yep. will more often want sex more often than women. Yep. That is not always the case. And yep. I've had conversations well, with people too, that, that go the other direction, yeah. but just kind of operating from the, the more common, yep. you know, what would you say uh, kind of around this question about wanting yeah. sex more, having different appetites? So when I'm doing premarital with a couple, I mean, I tell them you're going to have different Mm-hmm. expectations for those things. And so the way around that is to talk about it now. Yeah. And we'd also look at passages like, you know, do not deprive one another except for, like, yeah. you know. First Corinthians 7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's. Funny how so many of these controversial, tough topics come out of First Corinthians. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul's thinking about sex a lot during. There was a rough patch going on in the church in <laughs> right. Corinth. So. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm just encouraging folks like this is part of how you'll grow together is by understanding each other's desires, mm-hmm. um, learning to repent where those desires are out of bounds. Um, I mean, I've had to do that in my own marriage, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, because I think the culture has influenced those things. But you negotiate that. As weird as that sounds, that's what I'm always encouraging couples to do. Is as unromantic as that sounds, you're mm. you want to talk about what each other's expectations are, so that yeah. when your expectations aren't met, they're a not unknown by yeah. your spouse, and b you can work towards unity in that, and you can find the compromise. And um, I think this goes into 
our understanding of love as well and the different kinds of love. And yeah. like, I mean, to, to bridge it with that last section on the honeymoon phase, like I think at its best, if we really are pursuing not only physical intimacy, but emotional and, and spiritual intimacy and all these other things, I think it gets better. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be that I think with a honeymoon phase is kind of that, um, uh, it's kind of that cultural expectation mm. of happily that infatuation yeah. Yeah. and the happily ever after that I feel on day one right. is going to stay forever. Well, no, it evolves, it matures. Sure. And if we're doing marriage in a godly way, I think it it, it matures in a good way, that sexual desire That's and, good. and intimacy. I would say too, so like if I was if I was doing, you know, with counseling session or whatever, let's again, using the more standard or the more common, right. uh, you know, the man that wants more sex than the wife does. I would first, I would start with the man and I would say, okay, beforehand, yeah. are you wooing her? Yep. Are you building her up? Her, yeah. Are you telling her compliments, not just about her physical appearance, but about her, her mind and her, you know, her intellect and her passions? Are you offering, you know, to help with things around the house? Is know? there a physical touch that doesn't automatically assume that is not sex? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, is just, there, are there hugs on a yep, regular basis? Is totally. there embracing? Is there, there's, are you, I mean, I even just think of like, are you playing with the kids and having fun? Like there's nothing oh, totally. quite as unsexy as a man just laying on the couch, not lifting a finger to help around the right. house, you know? So the, the part of, uh, kind of the buildup, you know, the, yeah. what the, what's the cliche you hear it sometimes at the, the, the largest sex organ is the brain, you right. know, that you're, yeah. you're trying to build her up as, you know, it talks about in Ephesians five, you're, you're laying down your life yeah, to sacrificial. build her up yep. the way that Christ loves the church. And yep. if you come in with a demanding attitude and you're only just dropping that first Corinthians seven verse of yep. don't deprive, don't deprive, but yeah. you're not doing the Ephesians five part of building her up, right. then you have, uh, you got a rude awakening coming for That's you. Right. The other one, maybe this is going too far, but just even the idea of, of, are you, um, are you being unselfish even in the time of sex? Right, yeah, uh, and good. so to, if I'm if I put it bluntly, you know, are you just, you know, kind of going as quick as you can and getting done? Or are you making sure to take time to, uh, woo her in the bedroom sure. and to make it a pleasant experience for her? Right. Or is it become just very selfish and immature and self-serving yeah. as well? And, yeah. And that's uh, a hard thing to, I yeah. mean, I think especially as, as you have kids and as you, whatever, I mean, like. It's hard to even have the time, you know, Sometimes, like to, yeah. as weird as that sounds. And so it's something you have to be intentional about. Yeah. For, for, for a woman, if, if there was, again, a woman who is saying, I don't desire sex, I'm, I'm not interested, um, I would want to start with the question, you know, is there something deeper going on? For sure. Is there a hurt there? Is there a fear there? Mm. Is there, um, you know, tragically, is there some sort of abuse there right, that maybe the past, you haven't yeah. talked about mm. or been healed from? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and where do you need to, to open up and, and to be uh, willing to experience the healing uh, of, of Jesus and his sure. grace? Because I have seen that happen mm -hmm. numerous times over the years where, yep. um, you know, there's been a, an abusive situation or some sort of a fear. And then as they they're able to start talking with a, a counselor, yep. a pastor, a trusted friend, and able to kind of work through those things. Yeah. Those walls can come down. And 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 so uh, I would want to start with that question. I would also want to just say, you know, there is a part of this. What's so interesting about that 1 Corinthians 7 passage is the the both and, the yeah. mutuality. It is mm -hmm. husbands, your body does not belong to you alone, right. but it belongs to your wife. Wives, your body, body yeah. does not belong to you alone. Yep. It, it's, it cuts both ways, Absolutely. which is pretty radical for... For you sure. know, first century yeah, yeah. uh, Greco-Roman world, but the idea of 
you are doing this not just for self-gratification, mm-hmm. but as an act of love and service. And yep. so there may be times where one or the other is not in the mood and the other one is in the mood. You ought to be really careful against it becoming like a demanding, weaponizing sort of a yep. thing. But if we're loving and serving each other, there may be times where, yeah. oh, I'm not really in the mood, but if you are, yeah. let me love and serve you this way by, by giving you of yeah. my body, like yeah. it talks about in 1 Corinthians 7. Right. So, Yeah, and when those other things are in check and we are pursuing our wives and all that stuff um, in other ways, then it becomes pretty easy. In my experience, in hearing from other couples too, yeah. it becomes pretty easy. And most wives will want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, because there's the trust there of knowing I'm not being used. I'm not being taken advantage of. I'm actually offering myself and and my, my body, my physicality to you as an act of love. The way that you offer yourself to me in in other ways. So, so, you know, it's the outdo one another in in loving and serving and giving. And so that's a, that's the good kind of feedback loop that you want to help create in a marriage. Yeah. My last word on all that would be if you're single and thinking about these issues, man, it's so good to work through these things before you yes. get married. Oh my gosh. Um, because they're much harder in marriage yes. to deal with. I think. It's hard to build the plane once it's flying. Absolutely. <laughs> and so don't withhold that information from your future spouse. If you're engaged and you're thinking, I just need to get through the marriage, through yeah. the wedding, yeah. and then I'll share it. You know, right, like, right, oh right. man. Or I mean, even back to the idea of like sexual sin and sexual immorality, please don't fall into the foolish thinking that even I did in my youth of, yeah. well, I'm struggling with these issues of sexual sexual sin, but once I get married, everything will be better. Yeah. Uh, then I won't want to look at porn. Then, yeah, then I then won't. All that oh, stuff yeah. is... It's, it's put it to death yep. mercilessly and quickly. Yeah. So it's good. A lot yep. more could be said on that. For and sure. and uh, good stuff. should have warned people at the beginning if your kids are listening to this with you in right. the car. So, right. oh well. All right. Last question here for this for today. Um, and this one has to do with the sermon on singleness. And uh, this one this one makes me chuckle. And uh, I've got some fun things to share on this one too. But uh, the question is this. As an unmarried person, I really don't like the saying that goes around, quote, Marriage isn't about making you happy, it's about making you holy. It feels really discouraging. Actually, I've, this question came in conversation with somebody, uh-huh. and they said to me, it makes me feel like I just don't want to get married. Like, yeah. marriage is this hard, right. difficult chore, right. so just deal with it. Um, I strongly believe that God wants to make us holy, but what am I missing? Why mm. does this saying come across as such a discouragement? Right. So I've got some behind-the-scenes right. context for this question, right. but I'm curious as to your thoughts just kind of hearing that. Because um, yeah. what's the what's the book, the it's author? It's Gary Thomas, Sacred Marriage, and then also Sacred Parenting and yeah. Sacred Everything. He's and got we, a series of books. We use that book in our in marriage. Our premarital stuff. Yeah, that Pastor Jamin and his mm-hmm. wife Kelsey yep. lead. And so we use that. And both you and I deeply affirm I the truth of what's being quoted here. For sure. But what what maybe is kind of going on uh, yeah, behind the scenes for help for helping somebody understand the heart behind I it? I totally get what's yeah the question being asked here, and I get the perspective of that maybe seeming discouraging, but I think it it misses what Gary Thomas is trying to do with that phrase. Like it's a um, it's a cultural response yes. to what we so often see, which is oh why do you want to get married? Oh well. Just, because they make me happy. Yes. Right? And so it's just... That's me- probably the number one reason given Absolutely. Why, in our culture. Why right. would you get married? Oh, because they make me feel good. You complete me. You right. make me happy. It's right. the it's the fairy tale happily ever after uh-huh. nonsense that we know just isn't reality. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Like it's the eros kind of love. It's the I'm infatuated with you and I feel good when I'm with you. And then when that starts to go away, if that's our foundation for marriage, yeah. 
then we're left thinking, oh, well, maybe I never really loved them. Yeah, right? which and is so, kind of back to the last question about sure. the honeymoon phase wearing yep. off. It's we live in a broken, fallen world. Right. Our, our bodies do wear out and we're, we're sinners. And even though our bodies are outwardly wasting away, inwardly we're being That's renewed right. day by day yep. uh, in into the image of our creator, into holiness, which is right. you know what Gary's advocating for. It's what he's advocating for. And tucked into that holiness. And if you read the book, I mean, he, he doesn't. He doesn't spend a lot of time on it, but he, he certainly talks about it. Like, there's joy to be had in becoming righteous and becoming holy yes. and becoming Christ-like. Yeah. I mean, that goal is not meant to be a burden to us mm-hmm. when we're pushed towards Christ-likeness by a hundred different passages in Scripture. Right. Um, it's meant to bring us greater joy. And like, I know there are verses that talk about happiness, but but we're really talking about a, like joy and contentment and peace and all those things. Yeah are part of being married. But there's also a passage in scripture that says, if you marry, there will be trouble. Yeah. Like, right? right. I mean, so, so there is mm-hmm. honestly trouble yeah. that comes with marriage. Um, yep. There is difficulty, right. great difficulty at Well, times. that was what, the point that I was trying to make, even in the singleness sermon in that passage in 1 Corinthians 7, is that both marriage and singleness right. have their great advantages yep. and their great challenges. That's right. Both have challenges, mm. both have strengths. Mm. And so it's more about... It, it it it's more about pursuing holiness mm-hmm. and getting happiness thrown in. Right. Uh, it's it's like when C.S. Lewis talks about you know if we if we aim for heaven we get earth thrown in. You know right. it's yeah. it's where's our focus. Right. So what's I love <laughs> this question was asked to me a few weeks ago maybe three weeks ago, uh, right right around the time of preaching that sermon and then just the other day somebody I follow on Twitter Barnabas Piper who yeah. is the son of John Piper right. he had this quote just kind of out of the blue he said. The Christian standby blank isn't about happiness, it's about holiness and marriage, work, parenting, whatever, is frustrating and discouraging because it's false. It diminishes the happiness found through pursuing holiness. Mm. It's not either or, it's one gained through the other. And so I screenshotted that. I texted it this particular individual who asked the question. I'm just laughing and and they appreciated it. I I think there's some real good insight there of, the, maybe the reason why the quote is frustrating mm-hmm. is because it's too easy to read as an either or. Right. And I don't think that's what Gary yeah. Thomas means. He would say yes and amen to yeah. it's not either or. I it's think. not either or. It is it is focusing on pursuing Jesus with reckless abandon, right. just all of our hearts, mm-hmm. and that in doing that, we will find what is true happiness. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on when it's, you know, he wrote it to combat the fairy tale thinking right. uh, around romance in our culture. Right. But when when not understood in that context, you can sure. read it as this either or thing. So, But that speaks to our view of holiness too. Like, so that means that there are lots of people out here that when they think about holiness and righteousness and Christ-likeness, they don't necessarily attach that to be a good thing. Mm. They attach it to be a hard thing oh, or a yes. uh, maybe something that it's what I should do because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but not necessarily something that's going to be f- yeah. fun or joyful yeah. or good for me. Or So the, the famous John Piper line, oh, which is absolutely. so funny because Barnabas <laughs> tweeted it, and the famous line from John Piper is, God is most glorified in us when, when we, we are, are most satisfied, satisfied in, in him, him. That yeah. there's this idea that God wants us. And somebody responded to, to Barnabas on <laughs> so Twitter <laughs> with, with his own dad's quote. That's awesome. And Barnabas snarkily replied back, blocked. Yeah, and uh, it yeah. really delighted me. But yeah, uh, that's great. just the idea that there there is such a 
focus on our truest, most lasting joy Absolutely. in the gospel. Yeah. God, God really does want us to be happy. Yeah. He's in not the, the fun police. He is not the fun police. And any commandments or laws or warnings or any of those sorts of things are not given to us to discourage us, but to help us have a realistic expectation and mm. to help us pursue where true joy can be right. found because we're so prone to chasing after. Which makes me want to talk about the whole thing about love is love and all the things that that's attached to in our culture. But that wasn't one of that our was, questions. Well, that'll be a different so story, we, a different <laughs> Different yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to find a different guest preacher, or heck, maybe just you for, yeah. uh, for that one that yeah. week. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's good. Well, thanks for making time, Shane. I know you Absolutely. got lots of things going on still with doctor's appointments, and and but happy to have you back in the saddle. No, it's a joy to get to do it. Hopefully, this is helpful for you out there. If you have any more questions, as always, my email address <laughs> is uh, Shane at SoundCityBibleChurch.com. <laughs> really glad they got that fixed for yeah, me that's again. Good. So that's good. Uh, and, and and I guess maybe to kind of close. My hope and my prayer is that we would always be the type of church where questions like this mm. are wanted and desired. Honestly, it's one of the reasons we have the approach to preaching that we have, right? Like we we don't want to we don't want to miss something by bouncing around topically or whatever. Yeah. We want to we want to talk about what the Bible talks about. Yep. And so similarly, yeah. in that same vein, like yeah, we we want to tackle the tough questions and sure. um, And I've heard I've heard multiple people talk about, you know, churches that they grew up in where questions were frowned upon, discouraged, shut down or whatever. So I'm thankful that we got the kind of church what, where- What's the one you always reference? Well, um, I, um, a guy that I know yeah, in the church who yeah. grew up going to Catholic uh, Catholic school, yeah. and he was saying something, you know, about in, when he was sharing his life story, he right. was saying about how, you know, oh, you need to stop asking so many questions or you're going to go to hell. Yeah. And I said, hold Gosh. on a second, hold on a second. Is that- like just what you impression is that what you heard right. is that what you took away he's yeah. like no 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 that is a quote that was said to me mm. half a dozen times you need to quit asking so many questions or you're going to go to hell it's so evil just broke my heart yeah, so you know the lord himself is you know come let us reason together let's mm -hmm. let's sit down and let's talk and so yeah. um, even if there's areas of disagreement we can do uh, these con types of conversations in love and so for sure. yeah thanks yeah. for making time pastor Shane you got it all right Thank keep you. sending your questions in uh, maybe for future episodes and uh, we'll sign off for now. Love you, Sounds City. Yep, love you guys. Bye-bye.